What it do, gang? Welcome back to another episode of Wholesome's Unwholesome. We got an amazing episode in store for y'all today. I had the pleasure of interviewing author Jacqueline Phillips and like her book, Comfortably Uncomfortable, The Road to Happiness Isn't Always Paved. And it was, I don't have words to describe how great that conversation was. Uh, she dropped plenty of gems. Obviously, the book itself was amazing, and I read the whole thing myself. Um, and I learned a lot, and I hope you guys can pick up from it as much as I was able to pick up from it. Um, she went through a lot, and I don't want to, you know, give y'all too much information about it. So, because I want y'all to read the book, and I want y'all to listen to the whole episode, and there's nothing she has to say. But she went through a lot, um, and she overcame it and turned her life around, and now she you know she's happy, living a great life, and. I think we could all learn from her. So without further ado. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm the author of Comfortably Uncomfortable, The Road to Happiness is Not Always Paved. It's a inspirational memoir where I spent the last four years chronicling my journey from being a miserable existence of a human being to a productive, happy, and whole person. When I'm not shelling out my book, I am frequently featured on podcasts, which is my favorite hobby. Uh, I own a wedding and event venue in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm a full-time portrait and event photographer. Awesome. That's awesome. So I guess it's a start. Um, when you, you know, you felt like you were doing so bad in life, right? Uh, one of the questions I was asked, asked, like, how did you realize that's where you were because you know self-awareness is a hard thing to come by especially when you feel like you're underachieving a lot of people are kind of delusional in the sense so like how did you realize you know life was going so bad for you i wanted to die i had plans to commit suicide okay that was that was my moment of okay it either has to get better from here or it has to end i can't be in this space anymore Mm -hmm. So what, what stopped you from, cause I have some friends I've kind of battled with that kind of stuff in the past. And, you know, I guess this is going to be a two part question. One is like, how, as like, you know, how did you kind of overcome that and kind of get to the bottom and start to head back towards the top? And then two, um, you know, did you have anyone that could help you or why wasn't there anyone you felt like you could talk to about this kind of thing? So my, my saving grace was my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I wasn't being as damaging as I could be if I were gone. Um, basically, knowing that I couldn't control the narrative and I couldn't be there for him was really the thing that kept me from completely going through with it. Um, at the time, my marriage was in trouble and I had just invested my entire life savings into a business and my car died. I guess things come in threes mm-hmm. and you know I at the moment my husband knew what was going on but we were at a point where you know he was only going to reach so far because of the damage that was occurring yeah um but really I was so afraid to tell anybody because I I didn't want to lose custody of my son I didn't want to lose my businesses I didn't want to lose my friends I I really didn't have anyone. Mm -hmm. I just, I sort of, you know, I had a counselor, but I I wasn't at a point where I was willing to listen. I just needed to keep getting it out of my system. And once I got it all out, then I was able to stop talking and listen for a minute and start to regain control of the things that I thought I had no control over. 
Okay. I guess I, I got to ask from like an external standpoint, right? So what was your day-to-day life when you were going through these things? You know, I personally try to like check in on my friends often to see if they're okay. And then, you know, if there's anything I could do to help them. And sometimes I often try to look for certain signs or patterns in people's behaviors or day-to-day life. So like, what would you say was your day-to-day life when you're kind of going through all these, these challenges and stuff like that? I was really antisocial because I felt like my problems were a burden to everybody and I didn't want to burden people. So I, I retreated within myself. I wasn't reaching out to people. I was tired all the time. I was, I was emotionally burnt out. I was physically burnt out. I didn't want to engage with people. You know, I have friends. They'll, they'll check in on me. They'll text me. But I always sort of put on the warrior front, like, no, I got this. Life's yeah. great. It's only $25,000. I can do this. <laughs> and inside, I was just collapsing. And I was just kind of, you know, it was like Weekend at Bernie's, if you're old enough to remember that movie. I was just propping myself up and getting through the day to day because yeah. I didn't want anybody to know just how bad it really was. Okay. So upon starting to make these changes, like what, what would you say were some of your, like your top priorities that, that were the first stepping stones to kind of getting back on the right path? I had to figure out why I was engaging in the behaviors that I was, you know, mm-hmm. I was, I was always very good at self-sabotage and I, I had really limited myself with that. And I had to understand the reasons behind the way I behaved and the maladaptive coping mechanisms that I had put in place that ultimately weren't helping me at all. They were hindering me from moving forward with anything. I I found a really great life coach because I had done traditional talk therapy and I had done trauma processing and those were great, but those didn't get me past the the legwork of figuring it out. I needed someone that could hold me accountable and call me out on my crap and say, hey, stop doing that. That's not helping you. And Mm. just to rebuild my self-confidence and my self-esteem and my self-worth and just to tackle little things every day and make those big victories, even though it wasn't a big victory in the yeah. grand scheme of things. My life coach is the best thing I've ever invested in. Okay. That's awesome to hear. And I know you talk about like having to stay accountable, right? And that's the one thing you always hear with anybody trying to get their life or trying to achieve anything. You got to hold yourself accountable. How were you able to, to do that? You know, considering at first you, like you said, you didn't want to listen or anything like that. How were you able to gain that accountability for yourself? Well, that's where the life coach came in really handy because mm-hmm. I, I was very upfront and honest and said, look, I'm lazy AF. I need yeah. someone to ride me so that I don't keep backtracking and backpedaling into these things. And it was a text every day. It was a phone conference once a week. It was homework mm-hmm. assignments that had to be turned in so that he knew that I was taking the steps necessary You know, my best friend, I would call her and say, look, I need you to help me with this because I want this for me because it's only going to make everything around me better. I got to know that I can come to you and you're not going to judge me. And she was amazing. And she really was that other sounding board. So I could kind of bounce back and forth between the two. And just Mm -hmm. there was always someone on top of me making sure I was doing the things that I needed. And eventually it just becomes habit. You know, it's like learning yeah. to run a marathon. You don't start by running the marathon. You start by doing a mile. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's for sure. And I know I, you know, I've had to break some bad habits on the journey. I know you talked about, you know, people setting the, these ridiculous goals that are kind of almost unachievable, right? Instead of setting these little milestones or these little goals that you could achieve and build confidence on your way up, then you kind of are able to reach these bigger goals. And so one, one thing that always pops up and one thing you talked about is like, you know, the search for identity, right? And a lot of these goals you set kind of go with the identity you're trying to set for yourself. Like you said, you know, growing up from a poor family, you kind of get into that work phase and work to death till you're no longer poor or, you know, growing up in a single family or a single parent home, you kind of do everything in your power to make sure that doesn't happen. It's funny because I talked about that in like one of my last podcast episodes. I was like, you know, I grew up in a single parent home, so I'm not the way I'm kind of moving through life now. I'm going to kind of do everything in my power, whether it's financially, whatever it may be, to make sure I don't, you know, I don't add to the to the cycle of, of things of that nature. So how did you kind of get through that and find your own identity? So you're absolutely right about the whole poverty mentality thing. Um, I have more money in my banking, but yet I still work 13 hour days because I'm worried that stuff's going to dry up and it won't be there. I yeah. still haven't figured that one out. I would love to figure that one out because I'm getting older and I don't want to work this hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I am the same way too. <laughs> you know, with, with identity, you know, we, we take on all of these labels. I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. But underneath all that, there's still got to be a person. And there has to be a person that exists beyond the layers of, of title. You know, yes, I'm a mom, but I'm also a big fan of being barefoot and paddleboarding and getting out and exploring. That's yeah. my identity. Motherhood is my title. And I think okay. instead of having both be completely consistently separate, it's nice to be able to kind of intermingle them and, you know, really just who am I? I think mm -hmm. we're so busy with who you're going to be or what you want to achieve. Well, I got to like the person that's doing all those things. And it's really hard to like yourself if you don't know who you are and what really yeah. makes your soul happy. And when you find that little bit of joy, it's like, oh, oh, there's the sweet spot. That's that's who I am. That's that's what makes me happy. I mean, yeah, yeah, motherhood is part of my identity, but it's a title that I built into my existence. Mm -hmm. So I guess for like younger listeners and stuff like that, how would you say someone is to go about finding their identity? Because I, I know you you had a kid more so early on, and so that title slash identity was kind of tossed on and you had to kind of navigate, but also for like younger people without, you know, any of those things, how would you go about finding your identity if you had to go through it all over again? Find what makes you happy because that's where you will find your yourself. You know, if it doesn't feel right, figure out why it doesn't feel right. And if you can't change it, leave it for something else. You know, nobody's really guaranteed an opportunity to do it again. Very few of us get the chance to be able to hit rock bottom and come back. Mm -hmm. You know, be, be present in your life rather than your life running you. Yeah. It, it applies to your relationships. It applies to your jobs. It applies to your friends. 
if it's not benefiting you or making you a better, stronger person, really evaluate, is this in line with who I want to be and who I am deep inside? Okay. That's interesting. And so, you know, that leads me, I guess, to my next point, because a lot of us have that, that chip on the shoulder. I know I, I have, like, a massive, and, and that's what keeps me going sometimes. Like, and I heard you say, like, having that chip on your shoulder was kind of like a, a blinder and to, like, arrogance. Could you, like, kind of go more into that, I guess, in a sense? Absolutely. So I, <laughs> I took on the persona of Superwoman or Wonder Woman where, you know, I immediately assumed that nobody was going to like me because I didn't come from nothing and I wasn't nobody, but I'm here to prove you wrong. And yeah. by having that ego just overpower me, I really missed out on a lot of good opportunities because I walked into any room and thought immediately, no one in here likes me and you have to prove yourself mm-hmm. instead of walking in and going, not everyone here needs to like me. That's okay. But I can find someone who thinks I'm cool just the way I am and, Maybe something will work, whether it be yeah. our new friendship, a new relationship, a job opportunity. When I wasn't myself and I carried that ego around that, you know, I'm, I'm a boss bitch. Ain't nobody here better than me. Everybody was better than me because I was, you know, throwing myself under the bus before the bus came to the stop. Yeah. That's interesting. That, that, that kind of more so got me thinking. Because I, I guess in a sense, I've always like, had to I, well, I always felt like I had to prove myself in a like but that goes back to that poverty mentality because yeah. you came up with nothing so you had to fight for everything and once you don't have to fight anymore it's a lot easier to just exist in a space mm-hmm. you know when you when you grow up with a threat of poverty and insecurity you're constantly looking for the next incoming threat and it's a trauma you yeah. know kids that grew up comfortably don't have that reaction they just have affluence. We have scrappiness. And that yeah. only gets you so far. And it will actually re- you know, reject people who are open to you. Not everybody wants a fighter. Sometimes people just want a compadre. Yeah, that makes sense. I, that, I guess in a sense, I was like super eye-opening to hear. Um, and so, you know, you went through all this and... The whole time, you you know, you were in a marriage and you had a significant other. What role did he play in, in you going through all these obstacles and, and finding yourself and getting back on your feet? He's awesome. He's just awesome. And even when it was ugly and hard and we were at each other's throats, he still loved me and he still saw mm-hmm. potential in me. And I got real lucky with that because... You can't be in a committed relationship with someone fully if you don't love yourself. Because if you can't love yourself, you can't love anybody else the same way. Yeah. And he he had so much love for me that as I started to fall in love with myself, which sounds cliche, but it's really true. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to see him for who he was and realize just how amazing he was because even at my worst, he, he still stuck by me. He still cared yeah. about me. Even when he didn't want to be with me anymore, he still stood beside me because he cared about me. You know, mm-hmm. there was no vindictiveness or anger outside of the, the concern. And that's, that's something that I'm really grateful for because I don't think I would have been able to be as successful with this if I hadn't known that he was still beside me. 
You know, I, I know there are people that have done this journey alone. I'm really fortunate that I didn't have to. I'm really fortunate yeah. that he had a job that had health insurance so that I can pay for the medicine and pay for the people to help me get through all this. I know just how lucky I am. So I know you, you talked in the book, you know, one, one of the big things you had to do was improve communication with your husband. And I know like, in, especially in our generation and I have a lot of friends, I have like big failed relationships and they blame it on communication. So like, how, what are some pieces of advice you give to people on how, how you did that? I had to quit being afraid. I had to quit being afraid of saying uncomfortable things and having uncomfortable conversations. And, you know, I had to, so there's a thing called dear man and it's part of dialectical behavioral therapy. And on the website, that's a companion for the book. You can actually download the worksheet. And basically it's just about effective communication and problem solving. You know, so if I had a problem, it was how can I remove the emotion from this so that I can have an effective and positive interaction and get what I want and not feel broken after? Because so often I would carry something for so long. And then by the time it came to a head, like a big, ugly zit, it wasn't just the zit popping. It was everything underneath just kind of vomiting out and nothing ever getting accomplished. It's okay to write it down and say, okay, this is what my problem is. This is why I'm having this problem. This is what I think is contributing to this problem. I want to talk about this problem and help both of us come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. Not every conversation is going to be a fun conversation, but once you get in the habit of doing it, even small things, small conversations are great stepping stones to more difficult conversations. And it's all cumulative. But as soon as you let your guard down and you're vulnerable and you come at it from the perspective of this is not going to hurt me, this is only going to help me, takes away a lot of the tension in those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Now you're you're 100% right. And I see that often. And I think now, especially with with social media, one one thing you see often is like some people have like problems in their relationship, and they'll write it down, oh. right? In a sense, but they'll but they'll post it on social media instead of taking it to to their significant other, and you know. So I always see that, and I'm just like, I, I know that's not the way, but keep the social media out of your relationship. Don't nobody need to know what goes on behind closed doors, and ain't nobody gonna give you sound advice. People look for drama. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And so, with with that, like, what are your thoughts on social media and, and mental health? And you know, any tips from from your and on on how to kind of get better with that? social media is a disease. I think it is the downfall mm-hmm. of civilization. Um, it only creates drama. It only feeds off of drama, and it's dangerous and it's toxic. Uh, it's really easy to get into this consistent cycle of well. I don't have anything to do, so I'm going to scroll for five minutes, but five minutes turns into 50 minutes, and then you've lost an hour of your day. Uh, It's a machine, and it's built that way, and it's really disgusting in my opinion. I think it's really dangerous for young people. Mm. I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to, you know, I was already an adult when MySpace came out, (laughs) (laughs) if you can go all the way back to Tom, but, you know, it's, it's really dangerous because it takes everything 
that's flashy and bright and colorful and dramatic and all those things that hit those pleasure sensors in your brain until it doesn't, you know, it's, it's great for selling because, you know, you can make people feel inadequate. And if you buy this shapewear garment, you're going to look like Kim Kardashian. Ugh, that's not real. You know, it's, it's the filters on people's faces. I'm a photographer and it's, it literally has affected the way the industry works because people want to look like what their cell phone makes them look like, not what my camera makes them look like. So we have this yeah. dysmorphia that's setting in on people whose brains are still developing. And it's really scary. I mean, I have a teenager right now and he does not have social media accounts that he has access to. So because he's a musician and he's going for scholarships, he does have an Instagram. I run it for Mm-hmm. he doesn't need it. It doesn't benefit him. He knows that it's yeah. dangerous because his brain isn't fully developed. And we have seen studies are showing that, you know, kids his age are committing suicide because of the pressures of social media and the, the degradation of self-esteem and self-worth and the, oh, the no. consumer drive to mm-hmm. have, 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 have. But the materials don't provide when you're filling an empty cup with bullet holes you know it goes in and it comes right back out it's about developing the person and what fulfills you without the purchases Mm -hmm. it's it's dangerous i don't like it i if i didn't have to participate in social media because of my job and to promote my work i wouldn't do it at all i can physically tell when my body is changing because i've been on instagram too long I start to get tired. I start to get down on myself. I'm self-aware enough that when I've been scrolling for too long, I shut it down because nothing good is going to come after that. Yeah. And that's great that you said that because I don't know if you've watched a documentary, The Social Day, I did. They kind of talk I about did. It. Watched it yeah, they talked a lot. Of, yeah, and, and that was extremely eye-opening because I actually, I work in tech and I work with a lot of the AI stuff too. So like, I, I get to see some of that stuff like as it's, it's being created. But, you know, I always talk to my friends about that, like how social media has kind of created like a false sense of expectation for, for a lot of people because the only thing that's right. amplified is the good and the flashy, like you were saying. And, you know, some people think they're supposed to have all this figured out by this age or just was to make this much money. And, you know, it just makes them think they're failing at life when, you know, sometimes your life is just starting. You haven't failed at anything yet. And so I'm happy you kind of made that point. Um, so like how, like for someone that's like on it now, like basically addicted to it, how would you suggest like they, they kind of help wean themselves off or like, is there any way you think that, they can help wean themselves off or kind of get rid of that false sense of expectations or body dysmorphia, as, as you said. You know, honestly, it, it, it all goes back to being self-aware. You know, if you're scrolling and you're scrolling mm-hmm. and you start to notice, you know, your blood pressure is a little higher, your heart rate's a little faster, or you're starting to feel kind of bad on yourself, you know, that's a good indication it's time mm-hmm. to shut it down for the day. Um, you know, yeah. you can actually download apps on your phone that tell you, hey, you've been on Facebook for 97 minutes today. And when you see it presented in front of you, rather than just, a, oh, it's been about an hour, you know, there's there's that level of accountability again. I'm going to come back to accountability. It's going to hold you accountable. But look, look how much of your day you wasted on something that doesn't bring you any benefit. Uh, there's actually yeah. apps that you can download on your phone that 
basically lock you out of social media if you've been scrolling too long. You know, mm-hmm. anything is better than social media. You know, honestly, anything. I would much rather my son go masturbate than scroll Facebook. That's yeah. how much I hate social media. I, I don't think, I think when it started, it had good intentions. But with mm-hmm. all technology, there's a bad that comes with the good. And we haven't found the yeah. balance that keeps it healthy and not just destructive. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, one, one key point you talked about uh, that personally helped me even get off social, like get off social media as much. And just in general, like when I'm having conversations with people is, you know, that kind of emotional analysis you kind of talked about, like what's making, like, why am I feeling this way after looking at this or having this conversation with this person? Or like what, what's staring this up in me? And that's something that I actually use personally, like, while on social media, or like I was scrolling, it's like something would maybe trigger me in a type of way. Like, why? Why do I feel this way after after seeing this? Or you know, why is this making me react in, in such a manner? And so that kind of helped me realize, okay, like this is the stuff that kind of has a hold of me. This doesn't. And I knew how to cut back and move accordingly. And that's something that you talked about that that I really enjoy. But you know, overall, like, what what was the most uncomfortable thing or the most difficult thing you had to change to to get where you are now? I had to be willing to put everything on the table. I had to come clean about every bad thing I was doing, every person I was hurting, every lie I was telling. I literally had to come clean with everything because once it's all out and there's nothing left, you can only go fresh. And I mean, it was, Mm -hmm. it's terrifying to sit down and tell your husband, I cheated on you. And this is what happened. And I lied about this. And, you know, telling my friend, yeah, I lied to you about a fight that I had in Girl Scouts. I literally was, I mean, the smallest thing. I I told everybody everything. Because once it was all out, there was nothing there. And I didn't have to hold on to that anymore. And it, it gave me the freedom to just be vulnerable and go, yeah, I did these things because I wanted you to feel a certain way about me. Or I wanted you to like me. Or I was feeling really low about myself. And the way you made me feel made me feel really good. But those are all fleeting Mm -hmm. things. You know, infidelity is tough because in the moment it feels fantastic. But at the end of it, you're no better than you were before. You're there's still it's like a drug. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things where there's this beautiful high of, oh, my gosh, someone thinks I'm special and magical because I don't. And then they don't think that about you mm-hmm. anymore. And then you're still left dull and dingy in the box. Like if you, if you yeah. don't think that you're shiny and sparkly and special, else thinks doesn't really matter. And not every day, some days yeah. it's really hard to get up and sparkle and shine and be a hundred percent. And I think we don't give ourselves enough grace to have bad days and to retreat just mm-hmm. enough. You know, sometimes if the biggest thing you can accomplish is getting out of bed and taking a shower because you haven't been, reward yourself for that. Be proud of yourself for that. It's yeah. It doesn't have to be a mountain climb. Sometimes it's just a hike around the block. Yeah, no, nah, you're, you're 100% right. So I guess... 
you know, having written a book and, you know, you went through so much and you learned so much and you grew and, and now you're in a much better place. How or what do you expect, like, people listening or anyone that picks up the book? Um, how do you expect the book to affect them or help them change their lives for the better? I just want people to find love in themselves, for themselves. I want them to find their identity mm-hmm. and a, an identity that makes them happy and we we are sold that we are supposed to fit this certain mold, but there's seven billion yeah. of us. There's no way we can all fit a certain mold. But when you take the time to figure out how you fit in the world and to make sure that you love the person that you are, that's when the good things happen. I feel like yeah. the universe has completely opened up for me because I took the time to put in the effort to figure out who I am and to love who I am. You know, we, we talk about self-care and we talk about self-love and we throw a lot of buzzwords mm-hmm. at it and we put Pinterest pages together about it. But it's not something that you find in a store. It's not a bottle of bubble bath. It's the hard work that happens behind the scenes where you become self-aware and you really look at how the world influences you. And how you respond. Because really that's all you can control is your response. I can't control what walks yeah. in the door every time I open up shop. But I can control how I respond to it. And how I let it dictate my worth. And how I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. No, you're 100% right. And that's one thing. I always try to preach to all my friends. And every time I talk on here. Like, it's not easy. And you know, one thing you talked about. You want to share your story because you know other people are going to go through it. And that's another thing I, I probably talk about endlessly. Like, at the end of the day, you know, everyone's or a lot of people going through these things. They think that they're alone going through and they're the only ones going through some of these experiences. And, you know, being able to come out there and share your story and, and let people know, no, you're not alone and you can make it through this. And not, it's not going to be easy. But you could do it. That you know, that's always awesome, and I love when people do that because you know, at the end of the day, that's all you can do. You know, if you're trying to do some good in this world, you know, that's the easiest way to help people, and it doesn't cost you anything to to do that. And so, you know, in closing statements, you know, if you want to tell everybody, you know, where to follow you on Instagram, where they can buy your book, and you know, just follow your story and your journey. Absolutely. So awesome. my book is available free with Kindle Unlimited. You can order it in print on Amazon.com. It's available for download with Audible. Uh, So if you don't mind the sound of my voice, I do narrate my own book. I do apologize. I do cry in it at one point. Uh, But it's very vulnerable and very real. Um, So the website is grownupgrowingpains.com. You'll be able to find other podcasts that I've presented on. You'll be able to find resources like Dear Man that I mentioned earlier. So it's a worksheet that you can fill out for, you know, encountering problems and how to solve them, uh, resources to, you know, practitioners that I've used. My life coach is listed there as well. My Instagram is grown up growing pains. Uh, we also have a companion Facebook page, but honestly, I prefer Instagram because I don't have to interact with other people as much. That's my big secret. <laughs> on the Instagram page, you know, you're, you're going to see my story. You're going to see my struggles and my accomplishments and, you know, my achievements, like a 34-mile bike ride I did with my 14-year-old yesterday. But there's also going to be resources there to help you because sometimes it's really hard to reach out to the people that we know because we fear their response. So instead, I list resources yeah. 
for suicide, for domestic violence, if you are in need of abortion assistance, all of those resources, because honestly, we have to help each other. No one can do this alone. Mm-hmm. No, you're 100% right. And that that's one thing we we have to keep preaching. Yeah, and I'll be all it. It's it's a hard journey to try to go alone. You need some help. Um, and it'll go a long ways, and you'll go a lot, a lot farther with it. So I guess like, if you had any advice for anybody out there, you know, to leave them with one thing to just to stick to the ground. What what would you what would you say? It's twenty four hours, and it's temporary. No matter what the problem is, it's temporary, and it's twenty four hours in a day. If you can get through today. Tomorrow is a brand new chance to do it. Whatever the problem you're facing is, it's temporary because you're either going to outgrow it, you'll figure it out, or you'll move past it. The only thing that is permanent is death. If you can avoid that, you get another chance. Man, what what an episode. And Jacqueline dropped a lot of gems. I hope you guys were able to pick up from it as much as I was. I don't know if you even picked up on it. Like at times, like I was kind of left speechless, you know, because some of the information and some of the stuff she was saying, you know, was entering my brain and, and caused me to reflect, right? It was almost it was almost challenging previous ideologies and and misconceptions I had, right? It was challenging my views. And I think that's what you want to gain out of such a conversation and what you want to gain out of out of listening to a podcast at times. You want to challenge your current ideology, kind of input new information, make you really think and reflect like, have I been thinking about it's all wrong? And, I, and that's how you come to, to new conclusions or better conclusions or even compromises. Sometimes it's not that you, that one person is right or wrong, right? But sometimes there is a middle ground where you could grab a piece from there and combine it with something that, something that you already know. And all of a sudden now you might have a better answer to some of the questions and some of the challenges you're going through in life. And so, you know, I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I know Jacqueline mentioned all her socials. Um, make sure to check out her website, growingupgrowingpains.com and her Instagram, growingupgrowingpains. Um, hit her up if, you know, she mentioned the many services that they provide and, and all the help. Feel free to reach out to her. Feel free to ask her questions. Obviously, I want you guys to read the book because you can get a lot more from it also. Um, but don't be afraid to, to reach out for help, right? If you don't feel like you go to your friends, sometimes a stranger, it, it is the best way to go about it. You know, we always want everyone to be happy, obviously strive for greatness. But, you know, we can't we can't make it seem like the path to that is, is as easy as it may be painted by others, right? My journey, obviously, I say my journey is hard. But it's not the hardest journey out there, nor is it the easiest. There's people that have it a lot worse. The people that might have it a lot better, right? And everyone might need different things. Like she mentioned, she was lucky to have her husband um, by her side, kind of the whole way she was going through there. Um, some people don't have that. And so feel, feel free to reach out, man. You can reach out to me, too. Uh, I know my friends, they know. I'm open all the time. They call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'll wake up and, and pick up my phone um, and things of that nature. I've literally... I've woke. I've literally woken up before at like six a.m. Well, no, not six. I lied. Like three a.m., four a.m. While while asleep to go pick up somebody that was stuck somewhere. But nonetheless, I hope y'all picked up a lot from it, man. That was a great episode. Y'all can follow me on Instagram. I'm not gonna repeat my Instagram because y'all should know it by now. Y'all can follow the pages Instagram. DM me, send uh, questions, suggestions, all that good stuff. I hope y'all have a great week. April finna start this week. Let's get this bad. Let's get this happiness. Let's get this joy, man. Let's keep it rolling.
deuces.